Welcome to electionspeakers.com, a nonpartisan analysis of the speaking skills of major political candidates and others affecting your voting decisions. Here are your hosts for electionspeakers.com, Lori Schloff and Dr. Dennis Becker. Thank you, and hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Dennis Becker, and welcome to electionspeakers.com. This is the only place, as far as we know, in the world that you're able to hear an analysis, a critique of Barack Obama, John McCain, and any of the other campaign speakers in the election this year in a nonpartisan way by professional speech coaches, no less. And by the way, let me uh, tell you that we'll be on every Monday. We're posting this website every Monday. You can hear the t this uh, roundtable audio cast every Monday. We'll be talking about the preceding week and what happened the preceding week. So this is the broadcast for uh, August the 18th, and we'll be talking about what happened last week, including, of course, the very momentous faith interview that both Obama and McCain had with Pastor Rick Warren. But joining me, let's find out who our guests are around the table, round table today. Joining me on my right, as we go around the radio dial, as they used to say in the old days, although we're not on a radio dial, but joining us from right to left around the radio dial is first our co-host, Lori Schlaff. Lori is the director of the executive training program at the Speech Improvement Company. She's the author of two very popular books on interpersonal communication, and she's a guest commentator on many radio and TV programs, including Oprah and the Today Show. She's a professional speech coach. Welcome, Lori Schlaff. It is great to be here. Thanks, Dennis. Right next to Lori going around the round table is Law Lapidus. Law Lapidus is an accomplished actress, professional uh, producer, director, and the recipient of the prestigious Women Who Make a Difference Award, and in addition, of course, a professional speech coach, Coach, welcome, Law. <laughs> Thanks, Dennis. It's fabulous to be here. Now, right around the round table, on the other side of the round table, is Dr. Debbie London. Debbie is an intercultural communication expert, world traveled, coached, and traveled, and lived actually in many different places around the world, and we'll bring all of that, I'm sure, to bear on the conversation today. She's an author and produced nearly 20 publications on intercultural communications and a professional speech coach. Welcome, Debbie. Thanks, Dennis. I'm very happy to be a part of this. Now, you know, today uh, we're going to be talking about everything that happened last week. Hello. Uh, uh, in, oh, Ethan is joining <laughs> us. Here he is by out phone. Sight, Thank you, Ethan. That's right. Joining us by phone from a client site today is Ethan Becker. <laughs> Ethan is a first-time author, and the first his first book is being... Uh, He's being pursued, interestingly enough, by three different publishers because he's got a great book coming out on communication and leadership. He's also a world traveler, an international coach and advisor, and I'm sure he also will share some of those intercultural experiences with us today. And he's a guest coach in the popular MTV program, MADE, as well as a professional speech coach. Ethan, I didn't mean to leave you out. Welcome. That's okay, and uh, that actually emphasizes the importance of Nonverbal communication, and when somebody's on the phone versus being live, it's great. Nice to be here. Thanks. That's great, too. Thank you for that. Now, uh, as I was saying, we had a lot happen this past week, although, relatively speaking, I think last week is going to be a slower week than usual. I mean, as the, you know, the Olympics were having happening, Obama was on the holiday, of course, Georgia came in. Uh, but with the Olympics, a lot of things didn't happen. There wasn't a lot of political activity. Some things which are important, and we'll talk about them, 
Uh, and as the weeks go by, I'm sure we're going to have a lot more activity politically, mm -hmm. particularly the weeks that we have debates. And I'm just going to remind you folks that when there are debates with the candidates, we will not only be critiquing them here as we do every week, but we'll also be declaring winners and losers. And you'll be able to jo join in on that because if you look on our website, you'll see a scorecard for the debates. And in fact, you see a subject there called How to Judge Debates, where you can actually learn what do professional speech coaches use to judge debates like those that we'll be hearing. So we'll be talking about that a little bit later as well. Right now, let's get right to the conversation for this past week. And uh, I'm going to open it up and ask the folks at the roundtable if there was anything in particular over this past week about any of the speakers, not just McCain and Obama, but anybody else uh, that you may have seen or heard that you'd like to begin that you're particularly excited about. Anybody? Well, I'd like to comment on how McCain and Obama did at the um, Saddleback Faith Forum hosted by Pastor Rick Warren. I think what happened is people were surprised at how well John McCain did. N not only did he hold his own as a speaker uh, in comparison to Obama, who is known far and wide as a great speaker, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. It's really that he's a great public speaker. But McCain was impressive as a communicator, uh, both through the stories that he told, uh, his steady uh, and serious but like and likable demeanor. Obama didn't disappoint, but I think the, the main score was for McCain in terms of becoming um, a better speaker in people's eyes. You mean he became a better speaker? You, you thought he did better this time? All we can judge is what we see, and at Saddleback, I felt that McCain showed a side of himself, a more fluent side, a more comfortable side. He, by his own admission, does not like public speaking or giving a formal speech. Obama loves that kind of forum. Uh, so McCain had a situation in which he was being interviewed one-on-one -on -one with you know, a, a cup of coffee in a comfortable chair, and he had prepped in a way, I'd be very interested in what McCain did behind the scenes, he prepped in a way that helped himself to be more fluent and less hesitant than usual, relying a lot more than we've ever seen on emotional appeal. Lori, I'd like to jump in on the coffee cup that you just mentioned. That was very interesting. I, I was particularly interested in the theatrics of the whole event because all of politics really is about theater, how they set it up, what the design is, what they're wearing, and by the way, did you notice that when all three, Rick Warren and Obama and McCain, stood side to side and put their arm up in the air, they were wearing the same thing. Yes. Mm -hmm. I couldn't believe it. It's like they had gone to the same tailor and gotten the, the same, same suit. Same suit. I, I, I don't know if it was literal. I wasn't up close to really see well, if it was the exact sport, color. They were in sport coats and slacks. Almost the same thing, the three of them. So my point is that there's so much staging going oh, yeah. on with all of this, which is good. We need that. We need preparation. Theater is all about preparation, and mm -hmm. so is politics. But I want to get back to those coffee cups. Those coffee cups, those were interesting. I was watching those coffee cups throughout the entire evening, and when the camera was shooting the coffee cups, did you notice that they were perfectly placed in front of the candidates, okay, and in front of Rick Warren, and that the handles were facing the opposite direction. And there was one time, a little, about a third of the way through, where McCain took a drink out of the coffee cup. He put the coffee cup down, and what did he do? 
he turned it around so the handle was facing in the direction that he was told to face it in. That set a tone for me. What kind overall. of tone? <laughs> well, it set, it set a tone, a staging tone. That is You think so he did much... that knowingly? You think he Absolutely. No, I don't in think fact, so. I don't oh, think absolutely. So. In fact, the difference between real time and recorded time, most of the American public thinks what they're seeing on TV is real. It's not real. It is practiced. It is rehearsed. Yeah. They have well, I directors. Agree with, I agree with that. They have I, coaches I, like us I, coming in, Dennis. I agree with that, and I know right? that that's absolutely true because we all do it. Everybody does table coaches, politicians. I understand mm -hmm. that. But the coffee cup and turning the handle, I don't think McCain's that sufficient. The larger point is, does McCain take to staging? And you're saying, Law, that he does appreciate staging, and he's come across as a person, please, don't try to stage me. Well, I just yeah. want to be yeah. myself. That, you know right. what that told me? That told yeah. me that he was coached. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with oh, that. Well, that is interesting, and I'm not sure I agree with that in its entirety. I agree, agree with parts of that, but going back to what Lori said earlier, and I found it very interesting... Uh, at the very beginning of each of the set of questions, which were the same set of questions, how Obama's body position, and he was already with his head tilted to the left, and I want to talk about head tilt later. Going to McCain, I definitely think it's obvious that he's polished his presentation in general, his presentation skills. He was leaning back almost like, okay, I'm ready for this in a defensive kind of position at first, I thought. And it was almost like he kept remembering to sit up and, and forward more because he was definitely waiting for the pastor to go with the next question. And he did echo that a little bit verbally by when he joked, because that's his, I think, his defense mechanism to be sort of jokey, when he said things such as, they both kind of alluded to, you know, these going to get tougher, and they, they were, it was very, you know, convivial. And McCain in particular, I think he relaxed as it went on. It was almost like he was trying out new things that he had been coached for, exactly what you, you said now earlier. Now, that's very interesting, Debbie, what you're bringing up, because I, was, I, too, was looking at the body language very closely. And what I observed with Obama was a very stiff, static, stationary, I guess all the S words I pulled out of my dictionary, all the stiff, stiff, static, stationary body position where he very rarely moved. He had his head cocked to an extreme right, which we know as coaches can mean, uh, can connote, uh, am I pleasing you? Do you like me? Approachability. Approachability. Yeah. All, mm -hmm. Almost all the way through until the very last question, when his head came straight up, which told me he was excited that he was getting to the end of the interview. But aside from that, his body position was very straight, very static. McCain was moving. He was constantly moving, which gave me the impression he was engaged. There was energy there. I was feeling Obama needed a better night's sleep. <laughs> I Ethan, thought he was tired. Right, Ethan, you're out there in the, in the hinterlands. What do you think? Uh, a couple. I want to come back to what Lori was saying earlier about with McCain. I, I agree that he definitely surprised more people, probably because most of what we see of him are very short sound bites of him up on stage, and he looks old. And that's synergistic with the compet his competition sort of assertions that is he too old to be president. I think on he played, I think he played into that very well and very effectively. And for the most part, I felt he came across, from a style perspective, as a wise grandfather who has a lifetime full of experience and stories. You know, sort of, I feel safe with this guy. And you know, the stories, 
probably a little bit much, but boy, they worked. There was a lot of emotion and pathos in them. Uh, and in fact, I think he, he was aware of that so much to the point, I think I counted three different times that he actually apologized for it, where he said something like, I'm sorry, can I tell another story? Can you hang on for one more story? Can I do another story? And that was one big component I saw with him, and I thought it worked very, very well. Yeah, well, let me, let me give you guys the flip side of that. Now, let's uh, just for the sake of a devil's advocate here, I'm going to say uh, something different, okay? McCain was uh, too stiff, too practiced, too rehearsed. Here's a guy who had an instant, and sometimes the, the answer came out before the question was done. This tells me it's a guy who is not a good listener. He's got his mind made up. He is not going to tolerate anybody else's in, uh, interpretations of things. He has his answers, period. De now, Dennis, I what? have to say, I'm not agreeing with that. And, and you know the reason is because they, they both slipped out, both Obama and McCain, saying they got a chance to look at the questions. They got a chance. So they were rehearsed in the sense that they knew what was coming. Dennis, they were not in the dark. They knew what was but that's, coming. But that's what he's saying. And he, but my point is, he was anxious to answer the question. It's not that he wasn't listening. He knew what the question but was. I'm, but I'm, I'm, I agree I'm, with I'm ex Dennis. I'm extending that style of speaking mm -hmm. to the future. So when you have a difficult issue, issue you're confronting, a problem to solve, you bring people in around you to talk it over, if you already have your mind made up and bang, go immediately to a didactic statement like he was doing, doesn't that give the impression that you're not a good listener? I don't want to hear your side. I made up my mind. He's taking a position. He's dug in already. Ethan. Yep. I, why, I think why it feels that way is because what you're describing is exactly what we coach folks in a business environment, in a real-life environment where we are encouraging the exchanging of ideas and so forth. In this environment, it's very much contrived uh, down to the, sound, the world of sound bites. And in a world where the soundbite typically wins, because you look at what these guys are going to be doing, the medium is television, which is by sort of by nature a more deductive medium. In which case, if you were to compare that, McCain was very deductive with his answers, and Obama was very inductive. Mm -hmm. was, right. Mm -hmm. right. Explain a little bit more, Ethan, to our listeners about what that means. Yeah, inductive meaning you typically need the point, the answer right up front, and then the background information. Inductive, you got to have the background information first, and then the point. Now, if you listen to, let's say, like a talk radio show, typically they are inductive talk radio hosts, but they are deductive listeners. When a caller comes in, if the caller can't get to the point quick enough, they cut them off. See, that's contrived. That's fake. That's, that's because, you know, if it's boring, people tune, tune out and they won't listen. So, so deductive then, a deductive speaker, listener, communicator, is a deductive is a person who immediately states their position on something and then perhaps backs it up with information. An inductive speaker, listener, communicator is a person who will build to that, who will give you information, and then ultimately get to the point. Is that, That's the idea there. Yeah. I think McCain and Obama many of us are agreeing, came across both as likable and confident, but their styles are literally opposite. And I think, people are, was, I think people are responding to yeah. Obama's style, so McCain is trying mm -hmm. to get a little bit closer by practicing more. I agree with that, but that mm -hmm. comes back to what Dennis said. Mm -hmm. I think that McCain wasn't 
listening in real time. I think he was anticipating the questions that he had read earlier. I think Obama was listening in real time. He also had read the questions. And the only reason I think that is because Obama is more inductive, like Ethan just said in his answers. That's how he was Saturday night. And, and McCain came out very quickly with his soundbite answers, mm -hmm. but backed them up because that's what Mm -hmm. A lot of them, I mean, and America is divided on what they want. Now, I here's think. a very interesting thing about that. Mm -hmm. If you timed each of their questions and responses, Obama, I don't know if he ran out of time or not, but uh, during McCain's section, he, Rick actually asked him more questions and mm -hmm. got more answers mm -hmm. because of that deductive, fast-moving. Right. Rick actually and said that. He said, I can that, ask you more yeah, questions. that may very well work mm -hmm. in his favor, that those mm -hmm. were important questions, mm -hmm. there were important practiced. answers. Ethan. I think there's no question about it that he practiced that, and it's to that point, because listen, if a deductor, just as we coach, right, if a deductive person is listening to someone inductive, they get frustrated <laughs> and annoyed. <laughs> And that deductive person is sitting, thinking to themselves, just get to the point. So I think McCain plays right into that by starting with the point, you know, uh, with one-word answers to questions that were being asked, and I think it worked very well. All right, now listen, I'm going to be the devil's advocate. I'm going to continue here. Look, I'm a little tired of hearing McCain talk about my friends. <laughs> but crying out loud, he said it, I counted at least 13 times. My friends, my friends. I mean, it's a little overdone. And there were there was one question where he said it, I think, four times when he was talking in that answering that particular question. It's a little disingenuous after a while, I think. It's obviously mm -hmm. it's just a technique Absolutely. that he learned. And I don't think that worked on his behalf. You're sick of it. I don't mind that, but I really was taken aback at the fact that Obama said the phrase screwed up Twice. Uh, now, I, I polled a group of teenagers who were at my house. They said they wouldn't have noticed, but they would notice a little. I feel that the older generation may notice the use of the phrase screwed up well, and feel it's not professional. I know I would never as a professional use that with my clients unless I, think, I knew them though, very well. I that was well. strategic, Lori. I think that was very strategic on his part to oh. connect to not only the younger generation of people who use the colloquialism all the time, or the average person on the street who would use that word. Now, do, did I think it was appropriate? No, I didn't. Not in did that Did you notice format. it? I did wrote it down. He said it twice. It is a clear sexual he reference. Said, I mean, no, screwed, it's not. Yes, it's screwed uh, up. Uh, screwed, uh, yeah. The origination of screwed up okay, is a sexual... But no one's going to make that. But no one, I don't think, uh, is taking I'm it just saying, way. I think he should have monitored his use of screwed up. But it's I, not just I, I took it more of an eight. I, I, honestly, I yeah. did not notice. I, I really didn't. And I think it is, if McCain had said it, I think I would have noticed because it would have seemed very artificial. From Obama, who I'm not that far away in age from, I think, it, to me, it, I didn't notice. But you know, it's a stylistic thing. If you, because I listened to that as well. But what I heard, not only was the, that phrase, that phrase screwed up. He used all hands on deck. Mm -hmm. He used uh, kicked off the rolls. Uh, he used above my pay grade. He uh, used yes. uh, living on living, not mm -hmm. living, mm -hmm. living mm -hmm. on Easy Street. Mm -hmm. There were a series of these kind of phrases that he used, which I think are indicative of the kind of informal, folksier style. And I think that it's he generational. I really also, do. He's trying to make that connection to the average person. Okay, but does that make him seem? Do you think anybody less authoritative for the role of president of the United States? Well, 
I mean, that gets into the question of, of formality. What level of formality are, are they shooting for in the particular program? When I looked at that program, I saw a tremendous level of formality. This was not being stopped on the street, asked a question. This was a tremendous buildup to this talking event, and I, I didn't feel it was polished enough for the event itself. You mean uh, Obama was not polished Correct. Okay. I didn't feel that language was appropriate uh, for that event. Yeah. If he's in the crowd and someone's asking him questions informally, unexpected, that's a little bit different. But this was very see, I, formal. I, I see this as this is what Obama wants to represent. He wants to represent change. He is representing change. He's himself. This is who he is. He's a naturally good speaker. This is what he brings to the table and how he communicates. I don't think he makes a lot of what would be for him artificial formal formality changes, whereas McCain has to try much harder to get to that same point. Okay, so here's what I saw with with Obama. I I have to tell you, I was I was from. I was oh, tremendous. Hold on, we got a couple. Of, <laughs> hold okay. on a second, Law. Ethan, go ahead. You okay. still with us? I want to come back to something that you said earlier about the my friends comments and see if anybody else had an observation about this. But it seemed to me that that McCain was making a lot of references to Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. At least two. The night that I actually thought he sounded <laughs> like Ronald Reagan, and I'm I'm wondering if you guys think that that was also part of a strategy. And I don't mean that in a negative way. No, I I, I agree with that, Ethan. You know, Ethan, yeah. I, I really I really don't. I thought that that was a habitual thing that he would say, like a lot of our clients would say, so like, 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 you know, like, so. Uh, it was a vocalized pause that he's really in the habit of doing, and he's trying to break it. I could see that he's trying very hard to break it. No, very I don't difficult think so. I don't, <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think it's I don't a vocalized. Think doing it like, that much. Like was, saying, um, and er, and uh, things like that. Those are vocalized pauses. This guy's been saying, my friends. Forever. I, mean, I would bet money. You look money, back on all of, his, all of his uh, speeches. But Dennis, always, if you And notice, I think it's an, an effort to, to, to try but, but, to, right. to engender. You, you're but sick you know of it. He didn't do it for a good... Of course I'm sick of it, but he didn't do it for a good... I'm not that sick of it. I would 20 less. minutes. Then it started to yeah. habitually come in. Yeah. See, I would say it's a strategy. If from the get-go he I was doing so. it, mm-hmm. he was not doing it, and he, which tells me he was coached out of doing yes, it. Really, well, I, I would bet money, and I'm, I'm offering mm-hmm. this to anyone who can, <laughs> I don't have a okay, lot, you're but on. <laughs> that he has observed in preparation, he has, uh, has observed re- tapes of Reagan speaking. I would absolutely bet money on that, because mm-hmm. a lot of that came through and a lot of his stylistic mannerisms. Well, what do you, I, I, let, I, let me change the subject just a little bit on this. An observation. On, oh, go ahead, one last, then I'm going to change the subject a little bit. Go ahead, Ethan. Well, I was just saying, I don't think that's a negative, it's an observation. And I think he combined that really well with the pathos of his storytelling. And he really did come across as, hey, I am the thoughtful, wise, experienced grandfather, which is thematic with his campaign. I thought he did a very good job. Uh, But I do want to add this, though. I want to add this. I didn't get a chance to say it earlier. When he first came out, boy, did he look very, very stiff. (laughs) And yeah. nervous. Now, I don't, that's not a dig. I mean, a lot of people, when they're starting to get into this type of thing, might feel like that in the beginning. Well, he does have, you know, some physical constraints, you know, I think. It's that's... funny, Ethan. I thought quite the antithesis. I thought that this was a tremendous leap and bound for him in connecting with the American people. I think that his physical gestures, what he was doing, yeah, I mean, you have to remember, this guy has been through the mill. This guy has been through torture. This guy has lost 
motion in his face. You know, we deal with this all the time. We see people who can't physically articulate for one reason or another. I think he was trying very hard yeah. to overcome from that. A, from a technical point of view, I wanted to add that Obama so freely and easily smiles and is a very likable, handsome man. And that McCain does have limited, yeah. this sounds funny, mouth mobility. Yeah, yeah but yeah, I, I got it. He really is tight-lipped from a it's physical point yeah, of view. That's right. Historically, now, Laura, that's like true. But I got, okay. can I, I'm sorry, can I just say this? Of course. At this particular juncture, I thought McCain was above and beyond the moon in terms of his communication with his audience. He was turning to the audience. He was looking at the audience. He was relating to the audience. He was relating to Rick. All right, Obama now gonna, had his right, gaze me, on the floor. Okay, let's look a little bit different. Let me, let me, let me, devil's advocate again. I'm going to mm -hmm. talk about that same issue. Mm -hmm. He was there, and I think this is true for any interviewee and interviewer. When you're on camera, when you're doing an interview, it could be meet the press or face the nation anywhere, wherever you do it. When you are being interviewed by a particular person, the idea, and this is the way this whole thing had been hyped, the idea is he's having a conversation with that person, in this case, Pastor Rick. Okay? It seemed to me only appropriate and polite when Pastor Rick asked the question to answer Pastor Rick. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what Obama did every time, looked at Pastor Rick. That's with whom he was having the conversation. McCain, on the other hand, got the question from Pastor Rick, he would look a little bit to Pastor Rick and then turn to the audience, which to me gave the sense of politicking, knowing that there are more voters out there where the camera is. It wasn't as intimate, it wasn't as friendly, and frankly wasn't as sincere seeming because he looked at the audience. See, I, I don't agree with that, Dennis, and I'll tell you why. Because this was a live forum. This was not uh, in a television studio. It was not tucked away somewhere. He was in front of a really big, large, live Yeah, but he was having a conversation audience. with one guy. And it was set up guy. that way. You're it right. It was set it up was as set... a conversation. Be but polite. Talk to you the know guy what? who's asking you. Yeah, but you know what? In television, if you're doing a taping, and if, if it's a, a taping in front of a live studio audience, which is basically what he had, you are going to acknowledge that audience. Uh, and I think well, that was the can. smartest move yeah. from, a, from a strategic point of view, from a tactical point of view. That was the smartest move and he could have exactly made. That's exactly what I gotta it tell was. You, wait, can I just say Obama, and we all have loved Obama's communication patterns throughout, was a big letdown for me. His eyes were on the floor 90% of the time. And when you're communicating, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or whether you're in front of an audience or whether you're at a conference table, the worst place to put your eyes is on yeah, the floor. Yeah, but can I just, can okay, I just respond ahead, quickly Debbie. to that? Okay. And see, my take on that, and this is not a negative on McCain by any means. I, I think, again, very Reagan-esque in that response, in, in the way he responded to the person interviewing him and then to the audience, my friends. That's a, a Reagan phrase. So... And, and Reagan was a great communicator, so I think that make, makes a great deal of sense for him to be doing that. To me, Obama seemed pensive when he was looking down. He was looking towards the right, which means you're being thoughtful about your, your, thought, your thought process is in action, and your cognitive, you know, your cognitive complexity is engaged. I, and that, to me, is why I said earlier I think he's responding in real time. I didn't necessarily agree with any more or less answers for either candidate for that those reasons, but that was my take on how they were answering them. Well, one All of the right, ways look, we have time for one more comment. Lori Schlaff, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, one of the ways to show reflection is exactly what you're saying, Debbie, which is to look down and then up. Yet, we know Obama, much more than McCain, is a communication perfectionist. 
I would say this is something he probably wants to work on. Um, I have invited all of you to write an article with me called The Hesitant President. <laughs> Yet, maybe we won't be able to write that article. Both of them were more on the ball, though I'd say that uh, Obama scored more hesitancy points. Mm -hmm. He ends a comment better than McCain, but he is a little slow on the uptake. So, I, I Law, your I, observation, I, though you I, seem I, to attach a little more judgment to it than I do. No, no, is, not at all. Okay, I, I, all right. Okay, time out, time out. Ethan, since you're far away and you can't see all of us getting emotionally involved here, we'll give you the last <laughs> word and then we're going to end up. Ethan Becker, go ahead. Um, there's been a lot of emphasis on McCain, and I think it goes back to, uh, for today. Uh, and I think it goes back to Lori's original comment that I think he surprised us more than we expected, which is why we're talking about him. Uh, what I, I suppose what I'd like to clarify is I feel that Obama was, was, had more explanation on how he thinks, whereas McCain, it was more of, this is my decision. Mm -hmm. And the storytelling was just very warm and friendly and I think effective. There was one shot of the crowd where someone was crying with one of them. I, I think we got a much stronger sense of how uh, how Obama thinks because he talked through his process. But I don't think that'll fly well on television or radio. Uh, and I think people who are who are fans of both sides it just emboldened their uh, views of their own candidate. All right. Thank you, Ethan Becker. Thanks to Debbie London, Dr. Debbie London, with us today. Law Lapidus with with us today. Lori Schlaff, co-host, going to be with us every week. We look to have you with us every week, too, so don't hesitate. Every Monday we'll post a brand-new section of this roundtable discussion. I'm sure this one's going to continue <laughs> after the program is over today. Law, Debbie, and, and, and thank you for being with us, and, and we hope you'll be back again next week. Until that time, this is Dr. Dennis Becker saying thanks for listening and bye for now. You've been listening to electionspeakers.com a nonpartisan analysis of the speaking skills of major political candidates and others included in the 2008 U.S. presidential elections. Electionspeakers.com is posted every Monday.